Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. I will say things today, potentially, that may even go against what you believe or what you've been taught in the Bible, maybe for your whole life, (laughs) you know. Um, But I just want you to search the scriptures to understand them for yourself in a real way and understand that I, I don't want you to feel triggered, but everything that is going to be taught at least that's the goal will be rooted and grounded in the reality of what the bible says and it's crucially important and um there is a terribly destructive lie that has been strategically perpetuated for thousands of years that seeks to cast a shroud of darkness over the identity of god and um It's meant to blur the identity of God as both good and evil simultaneously. You know, it's something we talk about in that garden, that that poisonous tree, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which caused man to see God as both good and evil, as good cop and bad cop, as the father who wanted his wrath to be poured out in order to be able to forgive, and um, the son who was saying, no, don't do it to him. But it's been meant to, to blur the distinction of God as both good and evil, to swap his identity, to swap God's identity actually with the accuser of the brethren so that people would be confused and afraid of him just as they were in the garden and that they would, in their own power, they would separate themselves from God by their own choice, even though it's not possible to separate yourself from God, but they would choose to walk away from him. And uh, I, I, I fully believe this, and I believe that this is the story of the Bible, and that the enemy knows that there was this beautiful gift of free will. And so he seeks to deceptively twist the identity of God so that people will exercise their free will in trying to walk away from him. And um, even today, there's, there's what I truly believe is that um, there are people, maybe here, maybe that listen to this, Um, who God desires to lead them into such fruitfulness in life and into such success in life. But that offends their judgmental mind. And so they do not come into agreement with his good and perfect will for their life. As crazy as that sounds. And there are sometimes people that can come into agreement with this belief that God is actually against them. And so they'll actually push back against the accurate truth of this beautiful, wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit that's been given to lead them into all truth and to create in them ambassadors in the world that point to the Father and other people. And so my message today, that's kind of a mouthful, is to combat that lie with the truth and it's brilliant this when you look at it and you think of it in the strategy of the enemy i i thought just during worship that passage in mark's mark chapter 6 verse 3 through 6 when jesus came and was teaching in this certain region where people were familiar with him 
and he didn't line up with what they thought this messianic figure should be, you know. And they were like, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And it says they were offended at them, at him. To which Jesus replied, is not a prophet without honor except for in his own country and among his own relatives and in his own house. And in verse 5, it says something peculiar. It says, now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And, um, and so he went out in a circuit teaching. And I thought that was, that's just such a profound cue of something that was, it's like we've been given such authority in this thing called faith and in belief, man. But just like I said, this strategy of the enemy for us to come out of agreement with who God is, and Jesus didn't fit the mold of what they thought God's representative should be, and they became offended at them. And it's funny that it says he couldn't do any mighty works except for he lay hands on sick people and healed them, which to us, like, that's some mighty dang works, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's incredible things, but it's, it's purposely written like that to be like, no, that's, that's the baseline of Christianity, this reality, you know? And if you, you know, we teach this stuff thoroughly, so, I mean, you, you can see that again and again. But that he marveled because of their unbelief, and it's just like, to think that, this one we just sang about, who was God in the flesh, you know, Colossians calls him the embodiment, the fullness of deity embodied, the fullness of who God is completely bought, embodied, the creator of all things, Hebrews 1 says, John 1 says, the one who was the word who was with God and was God in the beginning was with God. It's just like he was with the Father, but he was also God simultaneously, and all things that were created were creating by him and through him and for him and all these beautiful excellent things about this person that's walking around that they didn't realize who he really was <laughs> god himself is walking around but he didn't line up with their with their perception of who god was that had been tainted through the poisonous fruit of the knowledge of good and evil they saw him as this bipolar deity that was wrathful on one side and nice on the other side and he didn't line up with that which was actually him and so they tried to reject him but in their rejection of him it limited what they were able to receive from him so what we believe about him is absolutely everything, you know, yeah. right? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that as we see him, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. We've been created in his image. And when we see him without veils over our face, right, without misconceptions, we accurately see who he is. It causes the transformation. It's a chain reaction. He's that contagious. It only takes to be seen. And when we recognize that he's not this this pagan deity, you know, sacrifice your son, bring him up. Abraham, bring up Isaac, you know what I'm saying? Skirt! Never mind, making a point. I'm not a pagan deity that actually requires you to do these pagan nasty sacrifices. I provide the sacrifice. I'm not them. He's making that point. And now he's separating light from darkness. In him was light, and there is no darkness in him at all. All these verses, all the light of the world that was manifest, this one, this man named Jesus, who's actually God, the God man, the son of man, you know, and here he is and he's limited. And it's just like, it's, it's amazing to me that what we believe about him can live it, can be, can cause our life to be limited in a way that he never called us to be limited. You know what I mean? It's crazy. And it's like, when we look at these things concerning the world and all of creation, 
that is called to be unlocked from its limitation by the sons and daughters of God. You know, that's, that's what the Bible actually says. And it says that all of creation is groaning and longing for this reality to be released. Romans 8, 14 says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, not fear, not anxiety, not the forecasts of the world, but they're led in this relational connection to the shepherd. As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. It's like, oh, the son's wheels. That's what that word is. It's actually a mature son, the one who has stepped into a place of authority to do business on behalf of his father. Yeah, and this is boys and girls, y'all. This is all of us. It's maturity. Well, that's spirit-filled Christianity. There's no such thing as Christianity that isn't spirit-filled. We've thoroughly done that. I don't want to overteach, but we can thoroughly show that through the Old and the New Testament. The New Covenant is I will take Ezekiel 36, 26, I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to put my spirit within you and I'm going to take the heart of flesh out of you or the stone, heart of stone out of you. I'm going to put within you the heart of flesh. It's an entirely different reality that we're called to walk by the spirit. Not just being these really strange people all the time and an excuse to over-spiritualize everything. But what it is, it's like he's come to, I love the verse in Isaiah 25, I will destroy, he will destroy on this mountain the surface, that's Jerusalem, the surface of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He'll swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away every tear from the face, from everybody's face. It's like, listen, he's he's literally saying he will destroy the surface of the covering that's cast over all people in the world. Like there's... There's been a, limita- a limitation, a cap that's been set on all of creation, and he's broke that thing. Yeah. Right? And he will swallow up death forever. It's like, yeesh. He will, the, the veil that's spread over na- nations, this separation, this, the, the veil of the curtain, the veil of reality, the veil that Hebrews 10 says was actually in his flesh. This, this reality is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something irreversible, and then the sons and daughters are going, I'm going to... He ascended on high, right? And he gave the gifts to men. Something we've been talking to since Pentecost, like three, four weeks now. Don't usually do series, but it feels right right now. You know what I'm saying? And it's like he's put his spirit, he's poured his spirit out. This prophecy of Joel too. I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. The sons and daughters will prophesy. Boys, girls, doesn't matter. Even on your men servants, maid servants. Hey, all your class system, none of it matters to me. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young women will see visions. All these things that were reserved for prophets only, none of that matters anymore. It's for everybody. It's for all the sons and daughters. Amen. You know, this reality of this new covenant, this new thing that he was going to do, that all of creation is groaning and longing for us to actually step into and simply believe. And so that we walk into it. Those led of the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out Abba Father it's different than the type of adoption we simply think of today but this is that stepping into the maturity of sonship that actually does bidding on behalf of the Father and calls God an intimate name which Jesus came Happy Father's Day constantly like a broken record communicating God as dad he was rewiring the brains like hey he's dad He's not the one you sew the fig trees up and make your man Kini Bikini and hide from. He's dad. There's no, there's no condemnation in this thing, Romans 8.1 says. 
In other words, even when you miss the mark, it's not something that a shame drives you into a dark place. It's one that you go to dad and you see him and you exchange your heart for his. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Romans 8, 16, it says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, we may also glorify, be glorified with Him. I actually really like the Passion Translation of that. When you look at it in, uh, I don't actually have it here, I thought I had it here. But it says something to the extent, very close to what I'm going to say here, like the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. says, like, you didn't, you didn't re- receive this bondage of fear of not being good enough. But it calls it the spirit of total acceptance by which you cry out, Abba, Father. It's something totally, it's even, it's higher. It's kind of like an amplified version. There's a lot of versions that I think are garbage. The Message Bible's garbage, if you want to know. The NIV is really bad, too. It butchers a lot of stuff. But the Passion does a really good job for a lot of the epistles. Um, I'm a new King James and ESV guy myself. But anyhow, so, uh, you know, there's there's these, these scriptures, this, you know, Romans 29, things that have been used to beat people down forever. Those... For he for those he foreknow, he, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, those who he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. It's like, well, who are those people? Like, who didn't God foreknow? Who, got, who didn't God know before the foundations of the earth? You know, not to, to squat, a, you know, kick against Calvinism, but it's not hard to kick against it, this is, includes everyone. Everybody's included. Yeah. That's what this is about. Yeah. That's what the whole thing was always about. It's like all the classism, all the elitism, all that stuff. I don't believe in any of that stuff. It's if you're, you're created in the image of God. And there's provision for you. The creator, the artist, he foreknew. That means he designed you to bring you into your full expression is what he's called, that he wants to do. It's something that I, 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 we talked about what is your message last week? What is your message? What is your life's message? You know. But one of mine, one of the things that I said is like, God, this, by the Spirit, God is wanting to father you into the fullness of your purpose and destiny. And it's true. It's reality. You are literally here. If you're a human being, you exist to image God, right? Yeah. Created in the image of God. And you exist to demonstrate the, abundance, the abundant reality of the kingdom of heaven and the earth. It's very true. And it's very scriptural. Instead of going around trying to scare people into joining the club, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I've, I've seen a couple things you're into. That means you're disqualified. You're going to hell. But you can join my club. We'll tax you 10%. You can join it and, and, and then you'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? Instead of scaring people, it's like we're called to actually people. When he says go and make disciples to the good news, this reality is supposed to be so attractive. People want what we have. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. It's a different game. It's a completely different game. And Jesus, everyone was so surprised. You know, I think that's what we'll do is, is the Spirit of God... Speaking to the, I, I think the, the major point of this destructive lie that the enemy has sown into the world ever since the Garden of Eden to view God as both good and evil. 
to, to view God as both light and dark, right? Um, to cast that shroud of darkness over him so that people are confused and to cause people to have this confused view of him to where they actually believe that he and the devil switch roles. The devil, which literally just means, the word just means accuser, you know. And to, to, to try to assign God's identity to his and his identity to God's is to create this great confusion. And I think it's something that we've been looking at all the way, you know, from Acts and through, through the, the voices of John or the, the scriptures of John that we've been talking about for a while. And it's like when Jesus starts talking and your Bible just turns red, you know what I mean? Where it's just like red letters the whole way and, he's, and he's, it's really thick. And in John 14, it's like he stops talking so much in parables and he starts just talking straight to his crew. And it's so valuable and so important for us to see the things that he says. I'm going to rip through it because I talk fast. Maybe I'll quote some scriptures. It's good. Maybe listen back to it later, whatever, or write them down. But he starts in John 14 and he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe, God, you believe in God, believe also in me. Yeesh. Yeah, leveling himself up. He, already, he was that. In my father's house, there's these mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. 14.6. I am these things. Good. You know. Nobody comes to the father except through me. Yes. You know, like his half-brother James would say. That in, in him there is no variance or shadow or turning. In other words, there's not a good cop, bad cop. You know what I'm saying? There's not one that wants this and the other one's like, no, don't do it. You know what I mean? There's, all this stuff is a doctrine of demons this, that's rooted in the tree of this bipolar deity of, of the knowledge of good and evil, seeing them these two different ways. James like, there's no variance, shadow turning. He is all light. Yeah. Genesis 1, in the beginning, there, you know, let there be light, and God separated the darkness from the light because saw the light was good. Yeah. It's written just real plain like that. John 1 says the same thing. Instead of in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, he goes, in the beginning with the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. It's the same as Genesis 1. And his life was the light of men. In him is light. It's the same as Genesis 1. He's saying, hey, light, good guys. Not both. Yeah. You know, Jesus and John 10, like, hey, I came to give life an abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know what I'm saying? My sheep know me. They follow me because they know my voice. There's communication in this walk. Yeah. A stranger's voice they won't follow. Does that mean there's another voice? Yes. Doesn't make you schizophrenic to hear another voice, but there is another voice. Yeah. But there's a pure voice. John 14, 7. If you'd known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and you've seen him. <gasps> These Jewish boys are like, we've seen it. We've actually seen this eternal, omnipresent being that's inapproachable, inapproachable light. You know what I mean? That man could, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you've actually seen him. He's starting to talk to them in a way that's like, hey, by the way, he's been with you for a long time. He, he, you know? It's like, sheesh. Remember, Colossians calls him the fullness of deity embodied. He's fully Embodied Yahweh in a human suit. You know? Philip's like, show us the Father. And 
show us the Father. It's almost Father's Day. Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient to us. I added that part, if you didn't know. Um, the Father's Day part, verse 9. Jesus, have I been with you so long, yet you haven't known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father also. How can you say, show me the Father? There is no variance. This is, this is the image of the Father himself talking to you. Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you are not on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do an even greater stuff than this. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Keep my commandments. But I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper. Someone who will raise you like a son. Who wants to father you in a very personal way. That's what that word is. is I mean, the spirit of truth. Not the spirit of bipolar lie. The spirit of truth of who he truly is. Whom the world can't receive because it doesn't see him nor know him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Wait a second. You know him because he lives with you guys. He's been living with you for a few years. For three, about three years. You know, I mean, think about the way Jesus is talking to them. This spirit that you've been living with for a few years, this God, this deity is going to be going to be in you in this spirit like yeah you already know him and you've already seen him he's saying these things to them yeah. you just haven't realized who's who you've truly been with you know they don't get until a few chapters later and when when thomas the first one that actually you know he misses out seeing him and he grabs a hold of him he says hey look touch my hands and my my side you know what i'm saying don't be unbelieving thomas but be believing thomas and he says my lord and my god it's like he kind of puts the two together like, whoa, you're something else. You're more than what we thought. We have to see these things. This cannot be broken through the entire New Testament. There can be attempts at it, but it can't be done. You don't have to be all that smart. You just have to just read it and believe it. Um, so the truth, the spirit of truth, I won't leave you orphans. I will come to you. So like, wait, so is the father, is it the spirit of the father? Is it? You won't leave us orphans, but you're going to come to us? Like, you see the inter interchangeability of the Father and Son and Spirit all in one picture, and it is a mind bender. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just is, man. At that day, the most beautiful verse right here to me, at least right now in this moment, John 14, 20, at that day you will know that I am in my Father, and that you are in me, and that I am in you. It's like, whoa, that's the game changer right there. You will know. He's prophesying to them. He's telling them about this Pentecost that's going to happen. He's talking about the pillar of fire and the cloud by day that followed Israel through, through um, the desert and the wilderness and all these things. And he's prophesying that, that thing that was going to split into divided tongues. And it's come on each and every one of you. This is going to be very personal to you. This baptism of the Spirit that John is the only one that saw it. Dreadlock John's the only one knew that it was coming, didn't he? You know what I'm saying? You think I'm important. I'm baptizing you with water. But the one who comes after me is going to baptize in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Yeah. In the Holy. What? What are you talking about? Who is this guy eating bugs with dreadlock? You know, who's this John the Baptist guy? And how does he know these things? Well, Jesus said that he was the greatest prophet ever born. Yeah. The greatest prophet born of a woman. Yeah. That's what Jesus said about John. John saw it. And now Jesus is like so excited. 
that this reality is coming to them. He's saying to them, it's better for you that I go away. Like this is going to be better for you. And it's why. In that day, you will know that I'm in my Father and that you are actually in me and that I am in you. There's no more work to be done. The Jewish mind that he's speaking with, the Holy of Holies, the the back room of the temple that only the high priest could go in once a year on Yom Kippur, and now that room is going to live on the inside of you, and you're going to live in that room without continually making sacrifices to get in there, without sewing bells around your robes, because that's what they do to hear the jingle, just in case you die and you have to be drug out, because that was their custom. You know, and they were so afraid of God, and he didn't give them that rule. They just made that one, because they were terrified of him. But in reality, isn't that funny? But in reality, in that day, you're going to realize the finish line, the ultimate goal, it's finished. And I'm in my Father, the bosom, the, the, the heart of God, and you are inside of me in that same place. I've qualified you into it, and I'm in you. Yeah. Your sin doesn't separate you from God. Your, the way you identify, the way you think about yourself, all the self-condemnation and fear and anxiety and pressure and I'm just the, all those things is not how he believes about you. And he's qualified you into something that you never could have qualified on your own. And this is the spirit of God, the holiest holies and the spirit of God who would actually come onto that mercy seat, onto that Ark of the Covenant where those two angels faced each other. You know what I mean? The tomb gets rolled away and one angel literal sitting on the head and one literal angel is sitting on the foot of that place where Jesus' dead body had been. And that place was sprung open as a sign for us. Now it's in you. And you are empowered. And it's not like there's a dang sign up this road. The ABCs of salvation. Number one, admit you're a sinner. Awesome. Not awesome. Okay, some of you don't know my, my sarcasm. Like, this is who you are. Here's dad. If you want to get back in, admit that you're totally wrong or you can't get back in. I will not let you back in. You know what I'm saying? That's the older brother from the prodigal story in Luke 15. He made that sign. Pretty sure it was him. Or the same demons that he had made that sign. Could prove that too. But not that, but the, the, the heart that made that sign. I should say that. Uh, yeah, or demons. But the reality of it, that's what Jesus is saying. And he goes on and he talks about this incredible incredible reality of the Spirit of God that's going to be upon people, this qualification like you don't understand how wonderful this is going to be. I'm going to live inside of mankind. I'm going to tabernacle in you, and you're going to tabernacle abide in me, and you're going to live in me seated in Christ in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6, but you're going, to, you're going to release that reality that's bound here. You'll be able to bind it in the earth, and what's loosed here, you'll be able to loose it on the earth. And this prayer is not just a prayer. It is a mission. Father in heaven, I come into agreement with you. Hallowed be your name. Separate be your name is what that means from all this bipolar lie and, and, and pagan, paganism that's been attributed to you. And let it be hallowed. Let it be separate. Let it be pure. The name of the Lord is Jesus. That is the name of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, who the name of the Lord was in him. That was Jesus in the Old Testament. And it's like, hey, let that reality manifest on the earth. And again, just like our dad said, let there be light. Not a people walking around poisoned by the fruit, the fruit of judgment, which is the knowledge of good and evil, telling everybody why they're disqualified. 
but as somebody coming around this world with no judgment saying, let there be life. But she was caught, no, she was caught in adultery in the very act. Surely you got to pronounce some judgment on her. Not, I still don't. Where are your accusers, woman? They left. Well, I'm not accusing you. Have a mind change. Go and don't sin anymore. Change your life. Change your mind. Now you've seen me. And guess what? That dog will hunt. That's a Texas saying. Sorry, it's not biblical, but you know what I mean. You, you know what I'm saying, okay? Then John 15 comes, says, so hey, come and abide in me. Live in me. Live this way. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Like, whoa, that's controversial. Don't spend too much time on that today. It'll offend people. Okay. You know, I care about that a lot. Abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, live in this reality. Don't try to get the trick of the Garden of Eden. You know what I mean? Eat this fruit, then you'll be like God. It's like, hey, don't get trapped into working to be something that you already are. You've already been created in the image of God. Jesus is saying, abide in me. Believe in what I'm saying. In that day, you will know what I've done in you. Now live in this, because if you don't abide in this reality, you won't bear fruit in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. If you abide in me, this is an important one. Because this really goes with that message. Your life is meant to demonstrate the abundance of heaven in the world. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you would bear much fruit and you will be my disciples. That's what discipleship looks like. That's what evangelism looks like. It looks like Abiding in the finished reality of what he's done. Receiving what he's done. Entering into this, truth be told, incredibly mystic reality that is true Christianity. Being led of the Spirit of God by his voice and in his life. Manifesting fruit, but living in that. Never getting trapped to getting into the works, to trying to do these things in order to be like God. The whole Bible is written about this stuff. You know, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit and the the works of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit. He literally says, walk in the Spirit in Galatians 5 and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because I think sometimes people get afraid of that type of teaching. You know what I'm saying? They're like, well, people are just going to have an excuse to just live however they want and not do good works. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not that we're trying not to be bad. It's like we're choosing to walk in the Spirit. And the Apostles Paul says, if you walk in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit, then you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And he goes on, he literally says, the fruit of the Spirit are these things, this love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and goodness. He's talking about the inheritance. When you're abiding in your true self, these things are manifesting from your life. But he says, but the works of the flesh, he doesn't say the fruit of the flesh, but the works of the flesh. And he lists a bunch of things. He's like, people who practice these, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. This isn't a, a teaching a, a line in the sand. If you do these things, these, this, 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 and, and you know, fornication and, and uh, drunkenness and, and, and sorcery, which is pharmacaeus, so you abuse drugs, all those things that are listed, then you're not going to go to heaven when you die. And that's how it's been taught. But in reality, what the Apostle Paul says, hey, if you're, if you're doing these works of the flesh in order to have fruit of the Spirit, it will never work. You'll never step in your true inheritance that way. You won't inherit the kingdom of your true father. You'll be inheriting the kingdom of Adam. And the poison of the fruit of the fall that came through his lineage. And that's what he's saying here. It's like, hey, but if you abide in this truth, you'll be by disciples and your life will bear the fruits of heaven and people will want what you've got. And we won't have to be 
the tree of knowledge of good and evil police that goes around trying to condemn everybody that doesn't do what we think is right. You know what I mean? That's not the way he did it, and that's not the way that it works. Because if we're saying, hey, well, you're, you're in this, and so you're this, and you're disqualified unless you quit it and join my club, and we're judging somebody, it's, it's like, hey, it's like we're, we're, we're under that same, you saw that little snake hand? So we're, we're under that same attitude that was of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We've taken the bait, and we've become an accuser. And what's really happened is like, hey, my snake don't like your snake. Your snake's bad. Well, mine's okay. I think. It's like, no, it's both a snake. Same tree. And the reality is, the enemy, just like I said in the very beginning, the oldest trick in the book, really. But there's a terribly destructive lie that's perpetuated the world for thousands of years that seeks to cast a shroud of darkness over the identity of God, and it seeks to bring the accuser's prosecutory identity and swap it with the identity of God. And Jesus never demonstrated that. And the sons of God and the daughters of God, which all creation is groaning for, by the Spirit of God, are called to live such an abundant life that they never partake or play the game from that side of the tracks, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's never been about that. It's about the abundant wholeness of God. And it's not just be, I want to, because you want to be rich, which that's fine too. I'm being successful is, is there's many forms of it, but I think the greatest success is righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen. It's the thing that everybody wants, which is what Jesus, these, the essence of what the kingdom of heaven is about. It's peace and it's joy. It's like, I'm, I'm at complete peace and I'm happy and I have a forecast that is rooted in the goodness of God for my life and for the planet and starts to see that all things work for the good that happen for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And who escapes that verse? Nobody. It's every single one of us. We're called to walk in this victorious reality. There's just no victims in this game. There's no victims in this life. And Jesus goes on and he continues. Maybe I'll just close with this. He's like, these things that I've said to you, I've told you these stuff that you will not be made to stumble. In chapter 6, John 16, he's just still going concerning the Holy Spirit. And when the time comes, remember that I told you these things. He's talking about when the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens and when he goes to the cross and everything that's going to happen, all this is going to make sense, but it won't for a while. That's what he's telling the disciples. But now I go go away to him who sent me. None of you asks. Where are you going? But sorrow is filling your heart. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper won't come. But if I depart, I will send him. It's like, hey guys, this is a tag team wrestling match. Or wrestling match, if you like to say it like that. This is a tag team. If I go away, you're sad about it. But, but you have no clue. It's to your advantage. Because when I tag... When I touch his hand, he's, he won't be limited in any way of humanity. It's to your advantage. This is the ghost of God. This is, this is true spiritual walking. This is true Christianity where God is, is in every single person with the opportunity to be full of him at all times.
it's your advantage that I go away. And the last thing I will say, and, and I think this is, this is probably triggered more people in my, you know, in the past 15 years than anything, um, but it's unbreakable. And you know, I said something about the Message Bible and NIV. Even those Bibles get this right, what I'm about to say. So you can't even, you can't even escape this. This is how good this is. <laughs> he says, when he has come, he's talking about the Spirit of God, this new covenant. When he comes, this Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That word convict. He will reprove. He's going to change everybody's mind on these three topics. He's going to change everybody's mind about sin that believes that it separates them from God. He's going to change everybody's mind about righteousness, the sacrificial offerings and all the hoops you feel like you have to jump through. And he's going to change everybody's mind about judgment. Oh, it's coming. The judgment of God's coming and all these things. He's going to change everybody's mind about these things. Hallelujah. Of sin because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Amen. And this is, this is the beauty of the New Testament. This is the beauty of seeing God and the Father and the Spirit in this way that is not bipolar. And this is the beauty of unwiring. So many people have been taught their whole life that the, the role of the Holy Spirit in their life is the accuser of the brethren. He rides around with you to constantly tell you what's wrong. And people constantly feel what's wrong about themselves. And so they never commune and fellowship with God who is always with them and there to help them and to lead them and to, and, and to bless them and to bring them into wholeness and to fullness and to set them in the family business. But they're already feel like they feel this sense of conviction of why they should be separate so they don't even mess with him. Just like the woman at the well, John 4. She sees you as like, how is it you're a Jew? Like, you know, I'm a Samaritan woman. Like, you guys don't talk to me. She's telling him why he disqualifies her. And he's like, yeah, actually, I know that who you are and I know that you've had a bunch of husbands and been a bunch of divorces. I know your life's a real mess and guess what? That's... Even that doesn't bother me from talking to you. So all these misconceptions of your own self and of me and the reasons you feel you're disqualified to enter in a relationship with me, they're not on my end. And that's what he's saying here. And people have, I've heard this taught recently. All over the world it's taught. The role of the Holy Spirit is to convict you of your sins. And it's like, man, all this, all this that we have, He's going to, don't fear what you're going to say if you get brought into the synagogue because the spirit of your father is going to be with you. He's going to take care of you. You know what I'm saying? The spirit of truth I'm going to give you, he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to bring to mind, just read John 14, 15, 16. He's going to bring to mind all these things. He's going to empower you. There's books full of gifts that he's going to have inside of you to demonstrate supernatural power, 1 Corinthians 12. You know what I'm saying? All these things that he's constantly saying. I won't leave you orphans. I'll be with you. It's to your advantage that I go away. Why? So you can just constantly tell me what's wrong and how I'm missing the mark because that's what everyone believes about him. It's a wrong belief. We've taken the accuser of brethren and substituted him into the Trinity, Father, Son, and Accuser, and walk around feeling ashamed and disqualified. And that's never what Jesus said. He says, 
Go into Jerusalem, Acts 1-8, and wait until, the, until this thing happens. When the Spirit comes upon you, what did he say? He's like, you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea. You know what? Even in Samaria. You know what? To the ends of the world. That's how he says it. He just starts. Like there's no limit to where you will witness to the world of this reality because he's coming. This brilliant reality of, of uh, you know, charismatic, you know, spirit filled, this, you know, this truth, this reality that I'll pour my spirit on all flesh has been given to us. And people assume and have, have sectioned God into this, his voice only into condemning or accusing them of what they're doing wrong. You know what I mean? And Jesus sitting here saying, because we hear that, but doesn't it say he will convict them of sin, but of also of righteousness and of judgment? Why don't we hear of righteousness and judgment? I've been really convicted by the Spirit today, brother. Of what? How righteous I am. I'm real convicted. I mean, wanted to call you. We don't hear that. It sounds silly. But the other one should sound silly. He's, he's going to convict the world. He's telling the disciples, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will reprove, convict the rest of the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And he even describes of sin because they do not believe. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. This life that I've been living, you're going to live like this. You're going to be like I was. And the things I did, you'll do these things and even greater than these. And of judgment. Oh yeah, because the fire's coming. No, that the ruler of this world is judged. It's like, what? So we're supposed to convict the world that the ruler of the Satan is judged? Yeah, because he's still down here. And all the principalities and powers that the Apostle Paul talks about, that we wrestle against them and not against people, like that's the real war now. But you'll be empowered to change people's minds that they're not disqualified. It literally says you will convict the world of sin because of unbelief. You will, you will be empowered to change people's minds who are unbelieving into being believers. He's going to empower you in such a way that they want what you have and you, you will be able to convince them of their unbelief by allowing them to believe. Isn't that just incredible? Doesn't that change the context of that one slice, that one, that one verse that has become the majority's belief about the Holy Spirit. Which is just putting a little bit of darkness into, the God, into Godhead. Does that mean that you can get away with sin and you know, I shouldn't have to feel bad about it? Not, no, absolutely not. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit won't lead you in truth, that there's not a contrary way that, man, when you go down the wrong path. Like, but Ezekiel 36 doesn't say that you'll have an accuser that's with you. He says, I'm going to put my spirit on you, I'm going to cleanse you, and I'm going to take the heart of stone out of you, and I'm going to put in you a heart of flesh. Amen. You will have the sensitivity of heart to know when you violated love. Yeah. And you will have a choice because that'll be that's what sin is. Then you will have a choice to choose yeah. the right path because the spirit will be ready to lead you into all truth. But there's free will again. You can choose the opposite of sin, of righteousness because you see me no more. Like now you're the ambassadors. You can show them and demonstrate that this is real. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. That's like a sheriff's badge in a gun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or maybe a baton. We have European listeners too. You know, maybe a little, 
they got those little, they don't have guns. Uh, too bad for y'all. We got guns, you know. Shoot, we can carry our citizens, carry them around here. A bunch of them in this room right now, you know. But anyhow, um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. You will demonstrate that the ruler of this world is judged. It's like, wait a second, what? He will empower me to demonstrate, yeah, the ruler of this world, the poisonous tree, his game, what he released, all of the darkness, all the sin, all of the disease, all of the evil. It's like, wait, you're going to be able to call violation on things? Hold your badge up and say, hey, that's actually a violation that doesn't belong here. Bang, bang. And in doing that, you will prove the world from their unbelief to belief. The whole thing was about power. The whole thing was, you know, that's why it's written like, stay away from those. They hold to a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. It's like the gospel without the spirit, the gospel without power and authority, and, you know, making excuses to live under this lineage of Adam. You know, that's not Christianity, man. You will prove the world of sin and of righteousness and of, and of judgment. Yeah, because of unbelief. Mm. Because I go away and because the ruler of this world is judged and there's a new sheriff in town and there's a whole squad of sheriffs in town and they're the sons and daughters of God that all of creation is longing for. And I've had people argue, well, that's, the Holy Spirit always convicts me of my sin and da-da-da. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry that because of the fall, you've become so mentally handicapped, you know, with a hardness of heart that you just steamroll over people and do harm in sin um, without even being aware of it. It sounds like you might have a demon. Not any of you, of course, you know. But I'm going to propose that that voice isn't his. I'm going to propose James 4, 17, right? That says, he who knows the good that he ought to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. He who's led into the truth and chooses to walk another way, to him it is sin. That's James 4, 17. In other words, it's no longer a, a, a litany or a, a rule book of list of rules of why you're this and why you're that and who's in and who's out and what sin is. And it's like, no, 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 no. He who violates this relational connection of, of loving and of being led of the Spirit, to him, that is sin. But also, and there is no condemnation when you do drop the ball. It's just the ability to repent, change your mind, and step back into your true lineage. This thing, it seems controversial, but it is so life-giving, this covenant we've been given. Uh-huh. It really is. The gospel is transformative because it's not rules that robots can follow and never change. You know what I'm saying? It changes you from the inside out. You know what I mean? The poison caused Romans 7, like Paul's like reading this thing, which has also been taken out. The evil I don't want to do, that's the stuff I do do, and the good I want to do. And I, you know what I mean? Oh, who can save me from this body of sin? Oh, something's changed. The gospel has come and Romans 8 hits and there's no condemnation in this life. And I can turn and I can be transformed and we see him as he is. We're transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And oh my gosh, no one's disqualified. No one's disqualified. I don't even have a badge that can actually enforce 
that authority. Well, you're doing this and you're doing that. It's like, no. My only job is to actually abide in the reality of what Jesus has done to manifest the goodness of my true Father, to step into that abundance, and people will want what I have, and I will always be ready to give an account. I will all, I'm supposed, we're supposed to always be ready to explain why we have this hope. It's called apologetics, but I think that's even wrong. It's like always be ready to give an answer for those who question you. It's like for the hope that's in you. It's like you're walking with such hope, with such with such happiness and with joy that it should be contrary to the world. Like, hey man, what, what, have, you, what have you been taking? Is this Xanax or is it Adderall? Because you, you see it seems like it's Adderall because you got it jacked up and excited. Like, no, it's, it's actually not. Well, how many shots of espresso have you had? You know, I just had one this morning, man. It's been a few hours. I'm in a good mood because this is what's going on in my life because of who I know. Is you want what we have. This is life by the Spirit. I will close this I will close this. I know it's longish today. Hmm. The point is that what you believe about him is absolutely everything. You know, what we believe about the Lord is absolutely everything. Changes everything. And you see, when you see that light bulb go on, like he doesn't condemn you. Just know him. He wants to lead you into life and into truth. Will there be some corrections, some course corrections, or some turning? And Absolutely there might. You know what I mean? But you've been qualified by him. He accepts you and he loves you. He knows you. He knit you together in your mother's room. Like, womb. He, he, your identity is actually found in him. He's the true artist and the true architect. And he's the father that wants to bring you to the fullness of that. And cause you to step into your real self that will give you so much more life than anything else could. Because you'll be doing it with him and never apart. And then you'll bear fruit because you're abiding in him and you'll bear much fruit because that's exactly what he said if you abide in me. It's not like if you witness to the most people or if you memorize the most scripture. There can be, there's good disciplines there to, to read the Bible and stuff, but it's about knowing and living and abiding in what he has done. Never under the pressure of trying to be good enough. You know. But we've been given the spirit of complete and total acceptance or adoption, both of those work, by whom we cry, Abba, Abba. Daddy, it's like, you can't talk to him like that. Don't you understand? It's like, no, like he told us to talk to him like that. He wants to father us. And then the message of your life comes out of your life. You are a work of art created in the image of God. And we're all different, but we're created in the same image, but it's vastly different. And we are a work of art from the creator who makes no snowflake the same. All the leaves have different little things. You know, everything's different. Everything he created. And even the creation as we see it has been limited under the fall. And it's all calling out for us to actually unlock it. That sounds a little, uh, sounds a little Lord of the Rings right there. But it's the Bible. Right? It's like we're supposed to step into this reality, you guys. You know? And you truly are a work of, work of the Lord. And your life is a message. And it's not like, hey! You know? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's like, go out and do awesome things. That's what he told his disciples. Go out and do incredibly awesome stuff all the time. Amen. Demonstrate that the rule of the world is judged. Amen. Pound him. Fight. Transform people. And say, repent, because the kingdom's at hand. Not it's coming. It's here. Change your mind. You're waiting on it. It's already here. You can have it now. That's what that meant. Yes, it was never disqualification. That's just what it's become. That's the poison of the knowledge of good and evil. It's, that's just what it's become. It's elitism. It's gross. 
I'll ask the simple question. The questions are still on the website for everyone who wants to do the questionnaire. I think that's a beautiful thing. It's not something you send in. It's not like, well, hey, how many times did you come to church here? It's not one of those things. It's questions to help you mindfully assess your own life and look by the Spirit at what God's doing in your heart. And uh, it, it causes relational connection. It's really great. It's on tylerhoff.com. But the question for today, and that's good for all of our home groups and stuff to, to, to kind of kick those around. I think those are really great. Um, but the question for today is, what is your message? You are a messenger. You are a work of art that is meant to communicate to the world. And I would ask you, what is your message? What's the message of your life? What are you called to walk in, in the Lord, that is a message that speaks to other people? You know what I mean? And if your message is like, you're disqualified, and you're disqualified, and you're messed up, then it's like, hey, that's not the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit, all right, but it ain't the Holy One. He's a bad one. He's a bad one. He ain't a good one, you know? It's a demon. Like that billboard down the road. A demon wrote that, you know? <laughs> it's the reality. It's, it's at hand. The older brother in Luke 15, he's ticked off on the outside of the party. The father's like, everything I have is yours. It's here for you right now, dude. Why are you, why are you so mad about your little brother? Story was about him. What is the message of your life? Exude it. Know him. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for truth and the reality of the scriptures and your word. Lord, I ask that the scriptures and the, the way you meant what you said that is in red in this Bible, Lord, that it would actually sink through, that, that you would cast down and help us to cast down strongholds and misbeliefs, wrong beliefs about you, that those veils that we've seen you through, maybe for our whole life, um, um, in, you know, seen you askew, that you would help us and remove those veils to us to see, for us to see you as you truly are and step into the transformation that you have for us all, the wholeness, the brilliance, the creativity, and the abundance of heaven that we're called to walk in in this life, above the forecasts of this earth, living by a completely different climate, so that people would see you, be glorified, and, and connect to you, and that our lives would bear fruit. Amen.